Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford. Welcome back to the MSP Show here on Blog Talk Radio. And I guess we're all over the place now. We've just got a SoundCloud account and... Of course, we're on your favorite uh, at-home device, like the Amazon or Google Home devices. So today, we're joined by George Bardisi from BVoip, and I'm really excited to have George on the on the show today. Uh, we just hooked up and had a quick little chat about uh, you know life in the MSP space, and he gave me a great uh, introduction. But I'm going to have him repeat it all again. So, George, uh, welcome to the MSP show today. I uh, hear you're in Boston at the HubSpot event. How how's that going for you? Oh, it's it's a great conference. Uh, a little over twenty thousand attendees here at the Boston Convention Center. Uh, it's just great to see you know people from all over the world with different ideas and inspirations and you know different uh, what you know talent, if you would, uh, and and see that come together. Right, you put a lot of smart people together and you usually have really good conversations, which is always. Uh, part of the whole agenda for coming out to conferences, right? So, uh, exactly. Oh, great time up here. Exactly. So um, you're the CEO of BVoip, uh, a voice over IP channel, only voice over IP solution provider. But, yeah, that's not where you got your started. Give us the, uh, you know, give us the rundown of your involvement in the managed service space. Where did you get started and, uh, where you, and how you got to where you're at today? Absolutely. Well, I, I would think I started where most people did, you know, in the basement, in the garage, in the trunk of your car. Uh, I started uh, I started my MSP out of Philly, you know, while I was still in school. And, uh, you know, just really was a tech nerd, geek. You know, I grew up on, you know, the blinking lights and, and just trying to, you know, learn on my own and granularly understand, you know, how to make things work and, and in the process help people doing that, um, which I think is like the base foundation for why most people are in this business, other than generating a little bit of money. Uh, but I started in 2000, 2001, and I kind of grew up, I feel like, the hard way through the industry. You know, I did projects, and I did break fix, and I did some stuff covered and some stuff not, and bronze, gold, and silver plans, and ultimately one plan to rule them all, and uh, tried super various concoctions along the way of what I thought worked and what didn't and what was profitable and what was definitely not. And it was just, you know, I call it the crash course, learn everything the hard way routine until finally – you know, I started to learn that sometimes it's better to learn from other people's mistakes than to learn from your own. You know, I still I still learn the hard way, trust me. But uh, it's it's been an interesting ride, and you know, come come here to 2018, and it sounds crazy, right? If I started in 2000, 2001, we're in 2018. It's not that far away from 20 years, and um, you know, but I'm still a young guy. You know, like I said, started in school, and you know, the you know the whole what I find from a IT perspective world is not just a technology pain, but it's also a human being pain, right? We're trying to solve human being pain through technology, and uh, sometimes human beings don't have it all figured out, right? And that's what kind of complicates things, and that's why people's businesses are kind of all over the place sometimes because 
you're trying to make people happy all the time, and sometimes that means a lot different, you know, between customer to customer, person to person. But um, like I said, I, I've kind of grown up through the stages, kind of like the evolution of the IT business of sorts. And uh, I feel like, you know, come 2018, I, I understand what's profitable, what's not, what makes it tick, what makes it worth my while. Sometimes saying no is the best thing you can do. I I do that every day, and sometimes and it's it's tough because I'm you know I started off saying when I started Ulistic back in 2010, I went you know I wanted to I wanted to take care of everyone you know that's that was my burning desire I take care of everyone. fast forward to 2018 I don't it's it's those cycles are few and far between now and you're right George sometimes you just gotta say you know what you, yeah not today anyway right I never really say no but I say not today maybe go try you know when when you're ready come back. Uh, and that's you know that's a that's a very hard lesson for a lot of business owners to learn is that ability to say no so you can focus on what you do best. Hundred percent, and I just think it's just yeah you get to a certain you know either you've been beaten long enough and you just understand where the pain is, or you just get to a certain maturity level where you understand what's worth it, right, for both sides. And having a little bit of vision into what that particular problem ultimately looks like, or what it what it you know, the relationship could ultimately, you know, morph into, you know, helps people make better decisions, right? So, like, yeah, you, you, you made a perfect point. Maybe we're not the right fit today, and maybe you don't understand the value of what we're doing, but eventually it may line up, and if you get there, then let's let's talk at that point, right? So, you know, I think people have to understand what, you know, you are in business ultimately to make money in the end, right? Yes, you want to help people. Yes, you love technology. Uh, but we are in the you know a world where the the green dollar or whatever currency you're using does you know ultimately have to end up in the bank account at some point and you know I think that's part of the problem which I think you do a really good job of Stu which is helping people you know spread their message and understand how to grow their businesses better right and I think that that's something that you know in the IT service provider space has just always been a challenge right because it's never hey I've gotten to this point and I'm just I'm good. No, you have to constantly be evolving and growing, and some people just don't have either the brain space, the resources, or the you know the the understanding to keep that ball rolling by themselves. Yeah, and you know, one of the, and George, you know, we'll get we'll get to talk about VoIP in a, in a few minutes. I, mean, I think we can talk about you know VoIP is not one of those sexy topics anybody but I like, but I like the way this conversation is going. Uh, you know, one of the things that I recently, uh, besides you know, following and and learning you know more marketing stuff and sharpening my own saw. And, and on this top, on this topic of saying no, uh, is the, I learned about, I, I read this book called The Pumpkin Plan. And I don't know if you ever read that book. Uh, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. But what I, when I walked away from reading that book, and I'm going to have to listen to it again in audio and probably reread it again to learn more. But the, the core message that I picked away from that one, George, was, Sometimes, and you're, and again, where you're at, you're not too far away from these prime pumpkin growing areas in New Jersey and stuff that these prime pumpkins come from. But, uh, you know, these, you know, is sometimes you have to focus on growing and cultivating your big pumpkins and weed. And I mean, sometimes weeding and throwing out some of the smaller ones that are choking the oxygen, choking the soil, uh, for these big pumpkins to p- prosper. And it's kind of like what we we're talking about, about saying no. Hundred percent. I mean, and, and here's the thing. And uh, you know, walk into any mature. Well, yeah, when I say mature, long-running IT service provider, managed service provider, whatever you want to call it, and there's just these legacy services and offerings and and things that you did in the early going to just 
find a way to pay the bills, right? And I, and I totally understand that, and I expect that. But at some point, you get to an understanding of where you're, you know, you're best servicing people, what you're really good at, what you're not. And then, like, you almost kind of leave these legacy things in place because why not? You know, it's, it's a buck. But the value of time does grow. And, you know, once you understand that your time does cost something and then that cost actually over time as you become better at what you do and you become more, you know, um, you know, your time effectively becomes more deliverable in terms of what you can do. Um, I probably said that wrong, but at the end of the day, hopefully you get the idea. That time, you know, generates so much more from a revenue standpoint and becomes so much more valuable that charging somebody for a one-off service from 10 or 15 years ago that, you know, was the thing that you did back in the day that you're still doing just because is not the answer, right? And you do kind of have to clean things up as you go along and cut things off that don't make sense anymore. And the reality is that technology turns over every three, four, five years. Um, and if you, you know, sometimes you're just doing stuff that no revenue, you know, you're just not making money at all. You're doing it just, just to do it. I just don't think that makes sense. So at some point people really need to kind of evaluate their business from the outside in, right? You know, I, I know it's cliche. You're, you're working too much in your business, not on your business. But, like, at some point you need to step back and say, hey, I got, a, you know, 10, 20, 30, 100 accounts, whatever it is, and they're only doing, like, one thing with me. And that one thing is, like, not profitable at all. You know, so the amount of time it takes to just press the button to keep that service running doesn't even make sense anymore, right? So I think people need to constantly evaluate that. I mean, I did this in my business as I matured, right? Like, I stopped doing projects for people that weren't ongoing customers that were generating recurring revenue. I, I stopped covering only certain things and not others. You know, and then what really was like an eye-opening thing was when you do the bronze, gold, silver thing, and then like 90% of the people always choose the, the lowest option, and then they don't want to pay for any additional things. And then you can't, you know, then it becomes the – really the bronze plan, right? Silver and gold never occurred. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and then, you know, at some point people need to understand that there is buying behavior. You know, there is a concept of value and you can't always be fighting on price because, you know, again, the technology rolls so often. I'm not saying don't keep up with it. I'm not saying don't, you know, adjust to the marketplace, but I'm saying, you know, you can't expect do things for free, and you can't accept to do things at cost. You actually have to be generating legitimate revenue on what you're doing. And I think that that's a challenge that I learned the hard way, as I said kind of in the beginning. So ultimately, as I kind of progressed and evolved through this MSP kind of space, I had to really, you know, make that hard decision to start cutting customers off. And it's not that I did it like I sent them a nasty letter and said, sorry, we're out. You know, I sat down with my customers. I explained where we were going as a company, and I, I hoped that they would go with us. And, you know, in many cases it didn't make sense, and I had to cut dozens and hundreds in some cases accounts that were just one-off accounts that were doing, you know, little things for, and I had to move on, right? And I think that, you know, there's a there's a way to do it, but if you don't make that cut, you'll, you're always going to have those weeds, like you said. And I really think that that absolutely holds people back because, you know, if you, if you can – do more with the same amount of time, you'll be more successful. But if you're just trying to churn things out because you just always have been, that's not the answer. Yeah, that, that, that's so bang on. Is like, you know, but let me ask you this, George. Um, you know, when you, 
you know, did you have a lot of false starts? Did you say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to do this, and at the the minute that you had to do it, you got cold feet and said, you know what, nah, I'm just going to keep going when I'm going. When did the pain get get to the point where you said, okay, I got to start cutting? Honestly, the pain the pain occurred when you know I really sat back and said, you know, how much time am I spending, you know, working right? Am I spending nine hours a day, eight hours a day? Yeah, not not bloody likely. I'm spending 12, 15, 18 hours a day. And then at the end of the year, when you're sitting with your tax guy and you're trying to figure out how much you can afford to pay Uncle Sam, you know, and, and, and what tax bill is going to be, and do I have to borrow money to pay, you know, all, all of the various government hands, you know, you sit back and you're like, man, I bust my ass trying to make a buck. And at the end of the day, I'm actually not making any money. By the time I pay all of my vendors and I pay my taxes and I, 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 I pay all of my bills off, do I actually have anything left to show for it? And then you sit back and you're like, you know, time's the one thing I'm never going to get back. Until that DeLorean shows up that actually does the time machine thing, I'm stuck. So I better figure it out quick or else I'm going to burn myself into the ground. I'm going to have nothing to show for it. And, and maybe that's a rude awakening moment that hit me. But I'm telling you right now, you know, I went a long time trying to help people and trying to, you know, you know, solve problems for people. And that's great. But at some point there has to be a return. And that return is your time has value again. And yet time's never coming back. So I think what ultimately hit me was, you know, if you don't have, you know, any money left in the bank and you don't have any time for yourself or your family or your friends or to do the things that ultimately interest you outside of just working, uh, and, and side note, I understand a lot of people get into this business because they generally love technology. I do. I'm one of those guys. But at some point, there's other things in the world, right? You know, bucket lists, things you want to do, trips you want to go to, places in the world to visit. You can't do that if you're not generating, um, you know, the, the appropriate amount of return for your time, right? So some of that was rude awakening. Some of it was just you get those customers that walk all over you, and you're like, man, I work really hard for you. And, like, it's not worth it, right, with the amount of grief I get, with the amount of effort I put in, for the amount of return I get back from you in terms of dollars, it's not worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So some of this is just time beating you up, right? And maybe that was just me. From a, from a false start standpoint, I was always, like, headstrong, face front, let's just do it, right? And you just kind of cook it up and go through it. And I think that's coming back to the comment I made earlier about sometimes it's better to learn from other people, Right. And how I think yep. I learned a lot growing through the industry was, you know, yep. I know people don't like it's like, hey, I need to run my business. I don't have time to leave and go to a user group, a trade show, a conference, uh, or just a get together, a friendly event, whatever it is. This whole castle mentality that everybody, there's still a lot of people who still have this, funny enough. Like the, hey, you know, there's, there's, you know, yeah, I'm building a moat around my business and everybody's my competitor. Uh, I mean, if, if you think you're going to learn it all on your own, you're missing something. And quite frankly, I think that there's just a lot of smart people in the industry that are willing to share with you that you may have one time or maybe today consider yourself a competitor again. But I I just don't see it that way. There's plenty of business out there for all of us, trust me. And, and, you know, I'm in the part of the world, right, northeast of the United States, where it's just so population dense. Um, You know, that you you can't really go too far without falling into just masses of people. And, you know, trivia questions, too. How much of the uh, United States' total population live in between – Northern Virginia, Boston, and Pittsburgh. you have an idea? I don't have an exact number. I'm going to say it's a pretty high percentage, though. I'll throw a number out there. 
I know. Uh, again, so being a Canadian that just moved to the U.S., I mean, I know that the entire population of Canada fits into the state of California. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess, you know, what, 55 million. Okay. So percentage-wise, it's about 41 percent of the entire nation's population fits in between Northern Virginia, Boston, Pittsburgh. That's a lot of people <laughs> in a relatively small space, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know, come, being in Philly, kind of in the middle of all of that, right? You know, I just jump in my car and go you know, anywhere in that area. Um, you know, it's just a lot of people to service. And quite frankly, there's, you know, you would think, wow, it's really, you know, there's just so many IT service providers. I can't compete. Now, there's really not even enough service providers to cover the population in that area. Well, the that, you know, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I want to, I'll come back to that when you're saying, you know, I, I had a luck, I had the luxury last week of sitting down with Gary Vaynerchuk. And, uh, you know, he was talking to another person, not an IT person, but he was talking to another business owner. And he was all worried about the amount of competition in the area. And he said, well, why are you worried about the competition? There's so much abundance out there that you don't even have to worry about what your competition. You know that you know how liberating that was for me to hear that? Because for the longest time, I was stressing over all the competition in the marketing space going, you know what? I don't know what the exact number of MFPs are out there, George, but I know there's a ton of MFPs out there. And, you know, if I got... If I got 1% of the market, I'm sitting pretty. Oh, 100%. And here's the thing, right? Like, by the way, that number, if for what it's worth, if you're just talking about North America, it's something like 78 to 80,000 MSPs. And now, granted, it's a vague it's a vague response, right? Because MSP, VAR, CST, I mean, there's like these rolling three-letter acronyms, right, that like everybody calls themselves, right? So like one day you're one thing and one day you're the next. But let's call it all together. You smash them all together. Let's call it about 80,000 in North America. That's a lot of, of, of people who are in the business, right? But at the end of the day, you know, not, not, you know, there's just so much ground to cover and so many people that need help. And, and everyone's like all worried about this whole commoditization of IT, right? You've heard this, the steam out there where like, mm-hmm. well, it's so easy that the customer can just go in and self service. And then you, you know, that's, you know, kind of forced this whole other concept of shadow IT, right? Somebody yeah. just goes and buys a product, a SaaS offering, a, a software package, and then you're stuck dealing with it, which is not wrong. But the reality is that, you know, m- you know, creating a plan, managing it, making sure your customer has, you know, a legitimate business perspective on technology and how that can move their, their business forward. I mean, you know, say what you will. And, yes, your customer can go out and sign up for anything. But I guarantee you that when somebody just goes up and signs, signs up for something, tries to do it themselves, hit a, hits a brick road, it sits there. They keep on paying their credit card bills, too, but it just doesn't do anything. At some point, there becomes a pain, right? And yep. so the pain is it's not just making the router work or the Internet stay up or the Wi-Fi connection work. It's about the strategy of how that's done and how the business utilizes technology. And once people understand that, it's a lot less about the brand and the products that you resell or the services that you offer, you know, from a ter- from a vendor standpoint, uh, standpoint per se, it's about how you bring it all together and how the experience of the customer changes and how you can deliver legitimate business value. And when you change the conversation to that, it's a whole different thing, right? And then that comes back to, you know, what are you good at? You know, what are you going to excel at? And then back to your point, you know, or, or what you do, which is, well, that's great. You're really smart. You can deliver a really good package or, or bundled experience or customer, you know, delivery. 
but then like people need to know who you are and like how you can how they can get to you and what services you offer right so like and we talked about it before the call once you got that whole thing figured out sales and marketing needs you know it's just like the one of the top five biggest struggles that i've heard in the last 18 years and i feel like it never gets off that top five Stu. it's just always up there so like people in this in this industry and i learned this you know it's, it's funny i learned about this category more when I started my vendor offering, you know, as B-Boy than I was in my MSP, that sales and marketing needs to, like, be woven into, like, the day-to-day operation of the business. And if you don't do that, it's just you're constantly – it's like a cat and mouse game, right? You're never – you know, you're never fluid with it. You're always stop, stop, start, stop, start. And I think that that's a lot of the reason why people are stuck where they are and they're not growing. Well, I had the luxury, George, a few years ago of sitting in, and this is when I was during my MSP days. And much and my my history is, you know, I ran an MSP in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, from 2001 to 2008. We had a we had almost a million dollars in revenue growth in in 2004, uh, and I I I I put my finger on the pulse of that and think, okay, why why do we have that growth? And a couple of things that we joined HCG, we joined. Uh, uh, Tech Select or Tech Data, but I attended a conference in L.A. one time, and the guy speaking at the front of the stage said something, and I've more, I've morphed, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what 20, 2018 version of it looks like. But back in 2004, he said, you know, you need to be a marketing and sales organization that just happens and market, that happens to market and sell what you do. So I took that back and said, okay, you know, IT Matters. That was the name of my MSP. We're a marketing and sales organization. Organization. This happens to market and sell IT services to oil and gas companies. When we stopped becoming uh, a tech, when we stopped being a tech firm and started being a, a marketing and sales company, that's when we had rocket, uh, you know, hockey stick growth. Now, fast forward to 2018, George. Now it's changing again. Now, now people need to be mark media companies first. That happen to educate and inform on the services that they provide. So now I say to MSPs is you need to be a media company first that educates and informs people on how to best use information systems, information technology, and that will lead to marketing and sales opportunities. But most people are not creating enough media to get their, get their head above the water, and that's when that whole scarcity approach fits in. The best companies that I work with are media machines, George. It's unbelievable how much content these companies produce. Oh, oh, and and so let me let me just confirm everything you just said. One hundred percent agree with you. I would argue that the most successful MSPs I've ever seen through, I guess my my short eighteen year career here, uh, were really, I would say, not excellent. Right? They were good at sales and marketing. Right? But they may have not been the best technology deliverers. They may have just been okay, but they were good sales and marketing people, and they just did far better in terms of the size of their businesses, the growth of their businesses, than the people who are stellar at technology but couldn't sell or market for a lick. And I 100% agree with you again that in you know in today's day and age, you know, people don't like the sales gimmick. Now there's still old concepts that. Absolutely, are still effective and work today, right? Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. People want authentic information that is helpful, that gives them a direction on how to solve 
a problem or an, a topic that they were looking into, right? I mean, that's the internet age that we're in. And so these people in these businesses, from a technology perspective, like sharing that knowledge, it comes back to that whole castle mentality, Stu, I think. People just like, hey, I have knowledge. You need to pay me for that. Well, it's like the reverse, right? You put oh, totally out into the world, and it, it comes back to you, right? Uh, you know what, George, you know what? Everything, everything is a YouTube video away. You want to learn how to set up a, a network? Go watch a YouTube video, right? So people aren't, you know, people, people don't need a YouTube, uh, people don't need a network, uh, setup guy anymore. They need somebody who helps, you know, you mentioned earlier, strategize, strategize on around how technology is going to help their business become more profitable, be more effective, be more efficient, be, you know, increase staff morale, improve communications, help them sell more of their stuff. All that, all and all of the above, right? It's it's the same old. It's the it's it's the world is changing. It's constantly changing underneath our feet here. And I, you know, and I, I remember a guy named I don't know if you know Sean Fullerton. He runs a company out of Tulsa. He told he said five years ago to me, he says, "What are we going to manage on the network when there's nothing left to manage?" And we're seeing oh, well, that. I, we're starting to see I, that I, now. I with, just... We're starting to see that now with what you guys do with the, uh, you know, VoIP solutions, Microsoft's hosted desktops, you know, all these cloud workspace solutions. Where, what are we left to manage? A couple of printers, maybe, in a firewall. Yeah, I mean, so there's no, there's no question that from a technology trend standpoint, that the less you have that can break on premise, the better off you are, right? Mm-hmm. Truck roll. I mean, Stu, t- you know, if, uh, please. Yeah, just argue with me if, if I'm wrong. The truck roll is still the most expensive thing you can do. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so the less truck rolls you do, the better off you are. So I, I don't I don't disagree with Sean or you, right? You want it that way, but what happens is that if you fish your price all these networks, it's all about business value now, right? Because you know it's not about you know you know spinning you know the less fire you know at this point the fires are diminishing, right? In terms of why you need to go on site, and it's more about making sure. You know your customer, you know, has the pieces they need to grow their business. Now, let's not be, let's not forget that you still have to have a good strategy, right? I think yesterday, and you know, I don't know when this podcast will go out, but yesterday, Microsoft Azure in South Central, you know, region was down for like eight hours. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when your company has, when your company has all their stuff in the cloud, and you know, depending on the type of company, you know, having the DR plan not necessarily in place, it, assuming it's cost effective. You know, could put your company out of business for a day, and that's expensive too. So, you know, the, yes, the the stuff has moved, but the strategy still has to be there, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I had I was very fortunate many many years ago to sit down with the the president of Microsoft Canada at the time, and uh, he said to me, he says, you know, you know, technology constantly changes, but one thing's constant: there's always a need for a technology professional. So, you know, he said, remember the days we used to change jumpers on ISA cards? Now, maybe you haven't oh, yeah. been in the business that long, George, to remember that. Maybe you came into the plug-and-play world. But I remember I remember having to edit the auto-exec back config sys file. We don't do that stuff anymore. We don't worry about plugging a piece of hardware in and not finding a driver. It's pretty much easy now. But what one thing is constant, and this is what I struggle with, and if, if there's any MSPs out there listening, I would welcome a phone call. I have yet to find an MSP that understands my business and how I operate my business. They all come in and say, we're going to monitor this, we're going to patch man. And I said, you know what, don't talk to me about that. I don't care about that. Help me figure out how to best connect my SEO tools with my social media platform so I can bring a, concert, a report together and show my clients. That's what I need help with. Uh, uh, 
Oh, and I'll and I'll tell you this. So this is where this, you know, I, I threw a couple themes out already in this, in this podcast, but um, like DevOps is really starting to become popular, right? Where you're basically running into customers who have multiple systems that don't necessarily all tie together from an information standpoint. I'm not saying file shares here. I'm talking about databases and, you know, analytics, right, or, or being able to automate certain tasks and being able to tie all that together, right? And, so, you know, that, that now takes a little bit of a development resource and sticking them into a more of an infrastructure-type world in some cases. Um, and, and you know what? A lot of MSPs don't have any of that on staff. Some of them have brought that person on board or people on board to help automate what they do, but I'm seeing a whole level of services popping out where these these MSPs, these IT companies, these professionals, technology professionals are rolling in saying, well, we can actually take these systems and, and kind of now deliver you a new result that you didn't have before. And, and that's really cool, right? Because now you're past making sure the computer's on to delivering a whole different level of intelligence, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, you know, let's, that was a really good conversation, George. And I, you know, I, I would go on forever and have, you know, but we have to get down to some business and talk, talk about what you guys do. So, you know, yeah. you came out, you came out of the MSP space, you rent, you, and you, I think you still have an MSP today? Yeah. So we still have a, uh, uh, you know, we call it our sister company, but uh, uh, I call it a decent sized MSP out of Philadelphia Metro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're by no means the, uh, the big head on the block and we're definitely not you know, the guy running out of the trunk anymore. We're you know, about 11 employees, um, you know, that are spread out. Now, a lot of my people are virtual. Uh, when I say virtual, not overseas, right, in the U.S., but I don't necessarily need them to be sitting in an office in Philadelphia. Uh, and, you know, I have, have about 150 or so accounts, you know, within that region. Um, you know, we never went national or international. You know, we, we kind of, you know, drew a circle. But so we really want to live in this world, in this space, in terms of the distance standpoint, but that doesn't mean that talent fits in that circle. You know, Philadelphia happens to be, you know, in that bubble of the world where there's like a lot of tech companies, you know, like SAP's headquartered here. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, you know, the big guys gobble up a lot of the talent coming out of school. Uh, but, you know, that, and New York's not that far away. But at the end of the day, yeah, we're, you know, my MSP's still around. Um, you know, Bevoip started out of a pain from MSP. Not unlike a lot of the other super cool, very popular solutions out there in our space, um, and and some of those guys are, are very much you know people that I talk to every day. Uh, but at the end of the day, what was that pain, right? So in the beginning, right when you know kind of managed services was a new marketing term, not necessarily a business methodology yet. It was still really in its beginnings, in my opinion. You know, yep. back in the you know, mid-2000s, you know, late 2000s, it started to become more popular. We were going in just saying, outsource it all, flat fee, right? We didn't even use the word managed. <laughs> you know, we're your outside IT department. And so, like, I didn't put any bumpers around that stuff, too. I kind of just said, if that is a blinking light, I'll deal with it. And that turned into the copier machine and the doorbell ringer and the postage meter yep. and the phone system. And, and that was a mistake. And that was one of those things that I told you early on that I wish I – you know, had done, learned from other people before I made my own mistakes, but I did uh, the other way. And so, you know, we were we were kind of mid-2000s. We weren't making money. We were just really pushing this outsource your IT flat fee thing uh, without really knowing the math behind it, per se. And 
one of the, you know, we, we did like an analysis, right? We went into our system and like, give us the top five things that we spend the majority of our time on. And it turned out that like at one point, 38% of the total time spent by our techs in, in a given year was on phone system vendor management. Now, this was mid-2000s, Stu. Things have changed. I get that. But 38% of any one task or category, given with the amount of stuff that we're responsible for in the IT services business, that's a lot. That's yeah. too much. And so we were just like, well, can we just like – let's just standardize, right? That, that word, standardize. All right, let's just put the same system everywhere, right? So we went to our customers. We said, let's just put one system everywhere. It's still on-prem. And, you know, a year later, our time went from 38% to about 19 So it's about half. 20% or so, mm-hmm. but 20% was still too high, and then, you know, we kept on realizing that the truck roll, like I said earlier, is the most expensive thing you can do, and basically said, all right, well, you know, we can't have that, you know, we've got to reduce the possibility of that, and then we finally got to a point where, you know, we, we, we narrowed it down to, like, sub-10% of our business, and keep in mind that during this whole time, Stu, and I guarantee that a lot of people listening to this podcast are in this place. If you don't, if you don't charge separately for vendor management, how you balloon your time on the back end is, you know, you're not charging for it. You're spending the time. It becomes this finger pointing game, right? Where like one vendor saying it's their problem and the other vendor saying it's not, <laughs> and then yeah. all of a sudden you roll roll the truck. And then when it's all said and done, the customer's like, well, you're responsible for the network. I expect you to do this. And then things unravel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just, we yeah, this was like one of our big pains. We decided to tackle it. We like, kind of, you know, granularly grew, and then eventually we got to the point where we're like, you know what? We feel like there wasn't a great answer out there, right? There's telcos that have these programs, but they're not really geared for our industry. And by the time I sell enough to make that 10 or 15 or 20 percent commission work for me, I got to do a lot of work, and that's usually not worth the time I spend to do it. So we we ultimately broke what became B-Boy out of our MSP into a separate company, and we're like, you know, we're going to go channel only. We understand this business. We came from it, or at least we think we thought we did, and we really think that we have a better technology solution and a better business methodology to get to the point where you can cross that line off in your stack, right? No differently than you would standardize your UTM or your encryption or your antivirus or your, your email platform, whatever it may be. You know, you need to standardize this line item. And if you don't, you're going to end up in the same place that I was where I was spending far too much time on it and not making a lick of money on the front end and burning all this time on the back end. And it becomes a brick in why you're not making money. Yep. I hear you. So, uh, so you, 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 you identify this pain point. It's much, it's much more like, uh, talking with, uh, you know, even what I did, taking, you know, taking my skills as a marketing and sales professional from my IT matters days. And rolling it into managed services, and I'll tell George over a couple of beers my story because it's it's not that it's not that sexy, but it's it's a good story. But you know, I talked to Colin Knox at Passportal. He's came out of the same way. A, a, a burning need from a client with you know password management was the birth of Passportal. Uh, and it sounds like yours much very same. You know, you had all these disjointed telephone systems that you were supporting. You said let's standardize on one, and that's where B Boy came in, channel only. You know, now you're working with, uh, you know, other managed service providers, uh, um, uh, globally. You got, I think you have clients uh, here in the U.S., Canada, you know, the U.K. Uh, you know, what are, are you, what are, what are the opportunities in, in the VoIP world for managed service providers? Cause I'm, you know, I'm all in. I, I'm, 
you know, I think, uh, you know, telephony systems is a good entry point in for managed service sales down the road. 100%. And quite frankly, it only works well if the infrastructure is correct, right? I mean, we tell people all the time, if you don't, you know, number one, you're an MSP, you should have it under control, and it should be right. Uh, mm-hmm. But if it's not right, then let's not even have this conversation because it will end miserably, and you probably will lose your customer when it's all said and done. So that's one of the reasons why we wanted to go down this road because, quite frankly, a lot of the big box providers, we call it, in this space have such a churn percentage because they just drop, they just drop ship a box. They expect their customer to plug it in, and yep. it's just going to work. I think we're smart enough to know that there's a lot of other environmental things involved, and if that stuff's not right, it's going back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the reality is, you know, we, we wanted to work with people that had that down, and MSPs were perfect, you know, coming from our space. And the other reality is that not just stand, so standardizing it helps you save time burn on the back end, but we actually, you know, rolled out a model where instead of that per seat per month situation, which you can ultimately deliver it that way, we wanted to give you the ability to do the upfront markup, right? So that you could dictate what that percentage is. The average B-Boy partner does a two to five X markup of what their costs are. And so to me, that's a wholly different story than a 10, 15, 20% commission. You know, when you're talking about exponential markup, now there's actual room to invest time into it because your time has money. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. And if you're not making, you know, if it's not worthwhile, then why waste your effort on it? Push it off to someone else. The challenge with pushing off to someone else is it's almost a me too world, Stu. So many people have run into the scenario where the phone guy has turned into the IT guy, where the carrier has turned into the IT services provider, or the so and so who you used to recommend people to ultimately started kind of it got gray, right? And so now what people have done is they've signed up for these programs that they make basically no money on, just to to kind of not have that problem occur where the rug gets pulled from underneath of them, and and they just spend all this time investment into it and they're making nothing back other than to just check a box. I just don't, you know, like I said earlier, at some point, you can't just do things to do things. You need to find a profitable way, you know, to, to, to operate your business. And we feel that we've created this model for, for our partners to do that. And then the other thing is that, you know, we kind of opened up our scenario, right? Meaning I'm not dictating to everyone all of the ingredients that you need to use. I give you, like, a wide berth, and we give you, like, hey, here's where it is all done for you. But if there's certain scenarios where you, you know, from a standardization standpoint, it's difficult when your customer signed a multi-year contract with their carrier and they can't get out, right? You know, whether it's the cable company or the circuit company or whatever it is. So one of the cool parts about BVOIP is, hey, we understand that how do you go into that customer and standardize if you can't get them out of their contract? Hey, listen, that's just dial tone. That's one piece of the puzzle. You can keep your, you know, it's possible to keep your premise-based dial tone and still standardize their, their unified communications platform, their phone system. And we allow all of these different variables to occur so that you can still ultimately standardize your customer on the same technology. But then, like, I want to go a step further, Stu, because, like, making the phone ring is not a new trick, right? Phone's been ringing for over 100 years, and I would expect everybody just thinks that that just happens. Where we find the value and where we spend a lot of our you know, development time and strategy around this, you know, creating the experience for the partner, the other, the MSP, the BVOIP partner, to, like, manage that world, right? Understand what's happening, view all that from one place, be able to make your changes globally, 
be able to get those alerts to go into your, you know, your ticketing system of choice. But now I'm going to go a step further, right? Because, you know, I want to now tie in the phone system into the line of business app for you, the MSP, or ultimately for your downstream customer. So think about this. We started off about infrastructure to making the phone ring to creating the experience to centrally manage this and be profitable and not time burn to now I'm going a step further and I'm now delivering, I'm tying the telephony or the unified communications platform into the op, the business operating system software that you use to run your business. You know, whether that's a ConnectWise or Autotask for an MSP or Salesforce or HubSpot for a customer or whatever it may be, I want to now tie all that together and put in a complete new integration layer on top of all of that. So, like, you can see that we've evolved even what we've done at Bevoit from the time that we've broken it off and launched it as a separate company to what we do today. Awesome. That's a, that's, uh, George, I think that's, I think you guys are providing a really good service for, uh, for, the, for the management. And I, and I like your attitude on, how, you know, running a business. You and I, uh, I'm surprised that you and I haven't crossed paths before because, you know, you and I kind of think, think alike. Uh, although you're in Philly and I'm, uh, and I'm originally from the Buffalo area, we probably have a difference of opinion in football. But uh, well, and, ho- I mean, and hockey too. and stuff like that. I but, mean, yeah, you know, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I went, I went, I went a few decades here, and I finally I saw a championship in my lifetime. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> to be said for the fact yet, that the Eagles so defending go. world champions. <laughs> yes, I, I went, I went to four, four straight Super Bowls, but uh, yeah, I always brag that we, yeah, we at least we won the AFC championship four years in a row. So yeah, I, well, I, I, we, have, we had I, a few, we, we had, we. We had a few of those in the McNabb days, right? We won the yeah. four NFC championships, and then we had, you know, we didn't win our Super Bowl because, you know, Spygate, in my opinion. And then it was just like such, such bittersweet when, you know, we ended up playing the Patriots last season to win the Super Bowl, and it just like was like it completed the cycle, right? Like yeah. The story completed itself. So. I and I and I we just had a call uh, earlier this new with a client of ours from New England where we talked about TB12, and I said, you know, guys, I remember. I remember the two and fourteen Patriots as well. So the, the, just this, this cycle of winning that you guys have been on. It, it's kind of I look back when I talk to millennials. Is you guys have never experienced an economic downturn in your life yet, like that you remember that you were involved in working wise. Wait till the yeah, next. Like you're going to be in a huge yeah, awakening. Yeah, they they expect their team to be in the Super Bowl every year. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Exactly, George. Uh, tell me, tell how, how do you know people interested in, in working with you guys and learning more about you? What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Absolutely. So obviously, you know, bboyd.com, and we're all we're all on social. You know, we, we we constantly are on all the different platforms talking to people. You, know, you can always call or text or email or Facebook Messenger or whatever it may be. Uh, but definitely start at bboyd.com, and you know, we we definitely are all you know just constantly. Out on you know out on the road. I mean, I can tell you um, between me and and my my marketing director here, Bevoy. I think we you know combined for like almost three hundred thousand miles in the air this year. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, and I thought I traveled a lot. Um, yeah, we, we we bounce around between Australia, and New Zealand, and UK, and Canada, and US. I mean, I feel like you know the where where are we at? Well, it's where, wherever the plane's flying over that day. But Philadelphia is definitely still home for me, and that's where I end up eventually. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, especially tomorrow night when the league starts and, you know, my Philadelphia Eagles and the Atlanta Falcons kick it off and, and, and start all over again. Yeah, and we're, and I'm, uh, my wife and I are heading up to Buffalo, or not Baltimore, this weekend for 
the Bills and the Ravens. So uh, we'll we'll see how that one goes as well. Then we're off to Colorado Springs next week for our high performance club. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, George, I really appreciate you coming on on the on the MFP show this week and doing this. It's uh, great. I look forward to uh, getting you know getting to know you guys better uh, over the next uh, short period of time here. And uh, and look forward to uh, you know talking again and hope that uh, a lot of people listening uh, take you up in your offer to reach out to you, uh, bvoip.com or through social media or whatever best way to get a hold of you is. Um, George, again, thanks again for doing this. You know, we had a, it was probably the best one of the best chats I had in a long time. Absolutely. Hey, I'm, you know, hopefully we'll run. You know, I'm sure we'll run into you at an event in short order. I'm supposed to end up in Florida at some point. <laughs> we should connect. Uh, come person. on down. Yeah, thanks for having. Come on, come on down, come on down to Sebring and then see and uh, and enjoy uh, what our small town has to offer. Absolutely, appreciate uh, inviting me on, and uh, hope everyone had a a good time listening. Great, folks. Uh, Thanks for tuning into the MFP show this week. Uh, You know, I welcome you to check out our uh, from the driver's seat uh, daily uh, video blog that we do. It's going to be released here in the next little while. We do we do put the audio versions up on SoundCloud.com and on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, We've had some huge uh uptick on that in the, in the first week that we've uh well launched it a lot of a lot of listeners every day uh and it's just me kind of giving you pointers on different things uh to help grow your managed service business uh and all kinds of cool stuff uh we have a great lineup of people joining us over the next few weeks of the mfp show and uh stay tuned and i'm sure we'll have uh lots of good stuff to share with you george thanks again for doing this and everyone thanks for tuning in Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.